waves upon the sand With nothing to replace it but invention I make my rhymes and sing my songs till they don't understand To make them laugh was never your intention I tell you You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show, coming right up with Yavin Walker.
We'd like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is our final show for the month of August. Yeah, summer is winding down. Next next show will be, uh, well, uh, Labor Day. Thank goodness. Time flies. But uh, music is forever. And... Um, Good music is something that lasts and doesn't uh, doesn't date. That's why I sometimes um, on this program I'll uh, play something and I'll say, "Yeah, it was recorded in 1957, but sounds as fresh as tomorrow." And I find that so much of jazz music does um, maintain its freshness. Uh, somehow, it always sounds, uh, uh, in most cases, sounds very contemporary. And uh, you can say, well, it was recorded in 1957, but it it kind of reflects, I don't know, maybe that's just my concept of it. it uh, um, I think it sometimes reflects the times we, we're living in right now. Anyway, a little bit of a rambling philosophy here. <laughs> um, yes, while Mercury retrograde is, uh, is winding down too, which will be nice... Uh, Actually, it'll be nice when it's all over um, <laughs> sometime soon. Please. Anyway, uh, we have lots to play for you this evening. We have all kinds of uh, great music. But our jazz feature tonight is one of the great tenor saxophone tag team matches. Now, a lot of you have heard of uh, Sonny Stitt and, and Gene Ammons. That's one of my favorite tag teams. Um, they, of course, had a band off and on um, throughout the 50s and the 60s. They always got together every once in a while and made some recordings and did a little touring with, uh, with that. And then, of course, there was the great uh, Zoot Sims and Al Cohn, um, two great uh, tenor players that um, became good friends when they were young men playing um, in the Woody Herman band in the late 40s together, and then they formed a mutual uh, Admiration Society. This particular tenor saxophone combination is another favorite of mine. Eddie Lockjaw Davis and Johnny Griffin. Eddie Davis was a Harlem dude. He was born in New York City, um, basically self-taught on tenor saxophone, and um, became one of the most unique and recognizable stylists on that instrument. He had a big sound, um, kind of reflected the older school um, saxophone players like Ben Webster, who was his idol, and Coleman Hawkins. Uh, Lockjaw um, reflected that. He got his nickname because of the way he held the horn in his mouth, and someone gave him the nickname of Lockjaw because it looked as though he, he locked his jaw over the mouthpiece of the horn. And uh, that's how he got his nickname. <laughs> so there, he was also... Um, many years ago when uh, Lockjaw Davis appeared in uh, Victoria, I was uh, working for the CBC at the time and uh, doing a jazz show on the CBC um, in the early 80s. And one of my first interviews was with Lockjaw Davis. Now, I had met him a couple of times before, and he agreed to sit down and, and chat. And uh, I must say that um, despite his... his uh, 
uh, kind of rough way of playing and, and um, uh, that sort of thing. Lockjaw Davis is one of the most intelligent, perceptive people that I have ever met. Um, he, he seemed to know everything. He was an avid newspaper reader, read newspapers all the time, and was right up on all the little... Uh, um, he, he could take different uh, views of the news and, and get to the core of it. Uh, he would have made a wonderful reporter. Anyway, he had a great career in music. He died in 1985 of, of uh, cancer, sad to say, but he really made his mark um, playing the tenor saxophone. Lockjaw Davis, to me, was one of the giants. And the little giant was his partner. The little giant, of course, is Chicago-born Johnny Griffin. Johnny Griffin, of course, was a um, decidedly a much more modern player than Lockjaw Davis. Griffin had his own sound. It was lean, hard, and high, um, as opposed to Lockjaw's full-bodied, gruff sound. And um, they were a perfect pair um, in this band. Uh, they kept it together for about almost three years and used different people in the rhythm section. The album we're going to hear tonight is her, their very first as a band. And it was after this recording that they decided that they were going to uh, um, perform together and um, uh, book themselves as a band. So it became the Eddie Lockjaw Davis, Johnny Griffin Quintet. And uh, different people, of course... Uh, were used in the rhythm section over the um, the duration of uh, when they had this band together. It actually broke up about 1963. Uh, Lockjaw Davis decided to go back to Count Basie's band. Um, he was uh, Basie offered him a good salary, a position in the saxophone section, and he was also the uh, straw boss in the Basie band, which uh, gave him a bigger paycheck. Being the straw boss in the band, he did all the hiring and firing. Um, he had to uh, lay it on. Uh, that was his job because Basie never did that. Uh, he, su he made suggestions, and Lockjaw had to carry them out. Anyway, uh, that's what happened. And Johnny Griffin uh, went to Europe and um, uh, lived a good, long life basically over there in, in, uh, in France. So... That's uh, the duration of the band was about from 1960 to 1963. And as I mentioned, this is their first recording together. They were also uh, best of friends. Um, when, I, when I talked to Lockjaw, he said, yeah, he said, you know, we were, we, we, we were very definitely um, contrasts in style, and we had different views on how to play the saxophone. But um, we were just very close buddies. He said, I have the, uh, he told me, that he said, I have the utmost respect and admiration uh, for Johnny Griffin. I think he's one of the greats. And, of course, uh, Griffin felt the same way about Lockjaw. So, um, interestingly enough, uh, another thing that uh, uh, Johnny Griffin told me when I, uh, chatted with him about this band. Johnny Griffin said, you know, this was one of the, one of the best gigs. He said, we had so much fun together. Um, and he said, there was always, every night was exciting uh, because Lockjaw was so creative. And uh, uh, also, uh, there was always that hint of a battle, musical battle in the band. And... Uh, a scent of a battle. That's the way uh, Johnny Griffin put it. 
These guys like to uh, like to really play out. Um, they could both play beautiful ballads, and of course, they they usually did. Uh, there was always one or two ballads during a set um, that they played, but most of the time they like to play hard and up tempo and exciting music. That's what we're going to hear on this jazz feature. This album was their first, uh, recorded for Prestige Records, and it's called Battle Stations, and it um, was recorded in September of 1960. The people involved, of course, um, Eddie Lockjaw Davis on tenor saxophone, the elder of the two, Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, the two co-leaders, on piano, was uh, a great gentleman who was a wonderful arranger as well, worked with a lot of singers. And he was from Chicago. Norman Simmons is the pianist here. On bass, another Chicagoan, a wonderful bass player, worked uh, so many years with Carmen McRae, Victor Sproles on bass. And on drums was a young man just beginning his uh, musical career, and, of course, went on to play with Thelonious Monk and so many other greats, Ben Riley on drums. So we have Lockjaw Davis, Johnny Griffin, Norman Simmons on piano, Victor Sproles on bass, and Ben Riley on drums. The tunes, we open with one called What's Happening," And uh, then we move to a Norman Simmons composition that I really like. It's called Abundance. Abundance. <laughs> yeah, Abundance. Right, a bun dance. And uh, then the standard uh, ballad of the set, uh, a beautiful old standard called If I Had You. This is the only ballad of the set. Then we go to Johnny Griffin's great tune dedicated to that street in Chicago that had all kinds of jazz clubs and blues clubs and so on. 63rd Street in Chicago, the Chicago South Side. And uh, tune number four is... 63rd Street theme, Johnny Griffin's tune. Uh, tune number five is written by another Chicagoan, a bassist, an arranger, composer, uh, Richard Evans, and it's called Pull My Coat. And the final tune is written by James Moody and Babs Gonzalez. It's a tune called Hey, Jim. So that's the six tunes we're going to hear on this um, feature album. We hope you enjoy it. Also, uh, an interesting anecdote here is that uh, Lockjaw Davis always solos first in this band. He was the, um, as I said, he was the older of the two. Uh, he was born in New York City in 1921, and uh, Johnny Griffin was born in 1928 in Chicago. So there was a little bit of an age difference there, too. So here we go. Johnny Griffin and Eddie Lockjaw Davis.
Our jazz feature this evening, an album entitled Battle Stations. And uh, that's a little bit of a misnomer because these guys just love to uh, play together and just exchange ideas and, and so on. But as uh, Johnny Griffin told me, there was always a sense of a battle. Two great tenor saxophonists and um, Eddie Lockjaw Davis, who always soloed first in this band with his uh, great big gruff sound. And, of course, uh, Johnny Griffin, um, always soloing second, usually after the uh, piano solo. And uh, Griffin with his leaner kind of sound and, of course, his uh, amazing um, speed on the tenor saxophone. Both great musicians and uh, contrasting styles. And, of course, they... uh, uh, really enjoyed um, playing together and, and keeping this band together for about three years, from about 1960 to 63. And um, things changed in 1963 because uh, Lockjaw Davis got a very lucrative offer to return to the Count Basie band uh, as a player and as a straw boss. And uh, Johnny Griffin decided to uh, pack his bags and... Um, move everything over to Europe, greener pastures, and uh, so that was the end. They did get together every once in a while. Um, They did make a a really lovely recording over in France uh, with some uh, European musicians and a couple of expatriates, and uh, they reunited every once in a while to play together. But uh, they were one of the great tenor saxophone tag team matches, Eddie Locke, John Davis, and Johnny Griffin. And This was their very first uh, recording together. It was done for Prestige Records, uh, September 2nd, 1960. And the people involved in the rhythm section, Norman Simmons on piano, who uh, distinguished himself not only as a fine pianist, but also a composer and arranger. And um, Victor Sproles, a young bass player uh, from Chicago, like Norman Simmons, um, both were recommended... um, to join this band by Johnny Griffin, who was also from Chicago. He had experience with these two men. And on drums, a young up-and-coming drummer at the time, who, of course, became uh, one of the major drummers in jazz, Ben Riley. And, uh, of course, Ben went on after working uh, with these guys uh, to many, many years with uh, the great Thelonious Monk. And he was uh, Monk's drummer for five, six years at least. Ben Riley. So those are the people involved. And the tunes, uh, we opened with a little riff tune, up-tempo thing called What's Happening. And then we moved to a Norman Simmons composition, second tune of the date called Abundance or Abundance. Um, Tune number three was the only standard of the date. And it's a lovely old ballad and uh, played with a nice kind of a medium bounce tempo by the two tenor saxophones, If I Had You. And then we move to a Johnny Griffin composition dedicated to a legendary uh, street in Chicago that had all kinds of blues and jazz clubs on it, 63rd Street in the south side of Chicago, and that was called the 63rd Street Theme, Johnny Griffin. And uh, the next tune was written by another Chicagoan, the composer, bassist, Richard Evans. He wrote the uh, tune number five called Pull My Coat. 
And the final tune was written by James Moody and Babs Gonzalez, and it was called Hey, Jim. So that's it, the first album and the first date of this uh, tenor saxophone tag team, Johnny Griffin and Eddie Lockjaw Davis. And as I said, they were together with uh, different people in the rhythm section for about three years before they, uh, they split up. And uh, they did make a whole bunch of very fine recordings for Prestige and also for, because um, Lockjaw Davis was uh, under contract to Prestige Records. And Johnny Griffin had a contract with Riverside uh, and Jazzland Records. So uh, they recorded for both of those labels. So um, quite a number of uh, dates with uh, this great tenor saxophone team. So I hope you enjoyed the music. We're going to return with uh, some really fine music by singer Ernie Andrews. And Ernie performs with the Cannonball Adderley Quintet. So stay tuned for that. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'll be back in a few moments. AMS Food Bank. Your access to money during the studies at UBC will most likely be limited, but it is a priority of the AMS Food Bank to ensure your access to food is not. The AMS Food Bank provides emergency food relief seven days a week for all UBC students. To volunteer with the Food Bank or for inquiries about how to take advantage of the services provided, contact them at foodbank at ams.ubc.ca. For more information, find the AMS Food Bank on Facebook or feel free to visit anytime across from the Wellness Center and Sprouts. It's a brand new day. Are you a graduate student? De-stress from your studies through the Graduate Student Society. Come and meet new friends through our beer tasting sessions, sports leagues, and fitness classes. And maybe you're interested in making a difference. Help eliminate sexual assault by volunteering to become a GSS Active Bystander Trainer. If ever you experience difficulties with your supervisors, faculty, or the university, the GSS can provide confidential advocacy assistance. And we will work with you to help resolve academic, personal, or financial issues. Your graduate student experience matters. Let the GSS help you now. Visit gss.ubc.ca. We don't need to tell you that Vancouver has a housing problem. Mass evictions. Master evictions. Unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca.
Well, we have no need here, really, to complain about the weather, unless you don't like the heat. The heat's going to stay, and the good weather's going to stay as well. So tonight is going to be clear, with a low down to about 15. Tomorrow is going to be another beautiful and very warm day, with uh, a low of 15 and highs between 27 and 32. So, um, mm -hmm, some nice late summer weather right here in Vancouver. Um, Wednesday... And Thursday are going to be a mix of sun and cloud, but still nice, uh, with lows between 13 and 14 and highs between 22 and 26. And then Sunday or Friday, Saturday and Sunday, the long weekend, the Labor Day weekend. It's going to be nice. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. With lows down to about 12 and highs between 22 and 26. So fine weather prevailing and for the last, uh, kind of the last big weekend of the summer. I mean, summer's not officially over until later on, but, you know, we think of Labor Day as being, well, it, it, it is kind of a milestone day or at least the Labor Day weekend um, because things kick in, you know, school, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So there you go. Anyway, that's the, um, the positive weather forecast here. It's going to be a continuation of wonderful weather. This um, very fine gentleman, we'll let Cannonball Adderley introduce him. His name is Ernie Andrews, and he's a singer. And uh, Ernie never had a huge career in music, but he was well-loved by musicians. He is still alive, lives in Los Angeles, and performs occasionally. He's, he's quite elderly now, but um, wonderful singer. He sang with uh, several prominent big bands, including the Harry James Band, for many years. And, of course, uh, again, he was one of those singers who's really appreciated by musicians because he is a mu Ernie Andrews is a musician himself. Some singers, you know, are, are not <laughs> terribly good musicians. <laughs> they, they make um, unreasonable demands sometimes on, on players. Um, it's not just playing in hard keys or anything like that, because if you're a good player, you can play in all of those keys, but uh, just other stuff. But uh, Ernie Andrews was really respected by musicians, and Cannonball Adderley decided to um, make a recording with Ernie, and, of course, uh, Julian Cannonball Adderley, the leader on alto saxophone, Brother Nat on cornet, Joe Zavanul on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums, making up the Cannonball Adderley Quintet, and Ernie Andrews. And here's Mr. Adderley to introduce Mr. Andrews. And we're going to um, go into a tune that I've always liked. It's called Big City. And we'll hear some more stuff by Ernie Andrews right after that. First of all, there are people on earth who really can get with Ernie Andrews right down to what he's talking about into the middle of the nitty gritty. <laughs> now, <laughs> thank you. Since we know this is possible, right now we're gonna take care of business. Here's the great Ernie Andrews, ladies and gentlemen. on earth that I 
Since that first day, the angels let you leave and come my way. Can't you see what a lost laddie I'm liable to be? If you never fall in love with me, I'm not the guy I was before. So now you own my heart forevermore. Be a sail or a drift on an uncharted sea If you never fall in love with me 
Rocks out here on the chain gang. Breaking rock and serving my time. Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang. Because I've been convicted of crime. Hold it steady right there while I hit it. Well, I reckon, yeah, that old. I've been working, I've been working, and I still got so terrible long to go. I heard the judge say five years hard labor on the chain gang, you're gonna go. I heard the judge say five hard labor. Heard my woman scream, oh Lord, and no, I hold it steady right there while I get it. Great God Almighty, yeah, that ought to get it because I'm working, because I'm working, and I still got so terrible long to go. I want to see my sweet honey, baby. I'm gonna break this chain off and run. I 
got a pine a tree nice and shady. Lord knows it's a hot in the sun. Well, hold it steady right there while I hit it up. Uh, well, I reckon, yeah, that ought to get it because I'm working. I've been working and I still got to table on the go. Well, breaking them rocks, breaking them rocks, breaking them rocks all night long. Breaking these rocks, breaking these rocks, breaking these rocks, trying to get strong. Well, I need chains, 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 I need chains. without sleeping Whoa, I'm watching Till that morning comes creeping I said, green door What's that secret you're keeping? Well, now there's an old piano that they swing real hot behind the green door I don't know what they are doing but they fall a lot Yes, I wish they'd let me in. 
Yeah, Ernie Andrews, great vocalist, and we heard him on a whole bunch of tunes, performing with the Julian Cannonball Adderley Quintet, with, of course, uh, Mr. Adderley on alto saxophone, Brother Nat on cornet, Joe Zavanol on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums, all recorded at the uh, Lighthouse, a uh, legendary jazz club in Los Angeles in 1964. And, of course, the vocalist Ernie Andrews. We heard uh, Cannonball's introduction, and uh, Ernie began with a, a great tune um, entitled Big City. And then we um, moved to one uh, actually written. The melody was written by Sam Jones and the words by Tommy Wolf. And uh, tune number two was If You Never Fall in Love With Me. And uh, then a great old tune called Come On Back, written by Eddie Beale. And then, of course, Nat Adderley's most famous composition uh, with words by Oscar Brown Jr., Work Song, the Work Song. And the final tune was a, was a big hit back in the 50s, um, and uh, it was uh, a tune called The Green Door. What's going on behind The Green Door? All right, Ernie Andrews, one of the great, uh, I think, unsung uh, jazz vocalists. Well, I hope you enjoyed his work. We'll be right back. We have a couple of uh, brief uh, announcements. Just like to tell you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9, broadcasting from out here at uh, the University of British Columbia. We're also on the web, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show, and uh, we'll return with some more fine music. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily, at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. Hey, it's Cynthia from The Bike Kitchen. We moved, but we are still nearby. The Bike Kitchen is now located on East Mall in the trailer between Irving K. Barber and Brock Hall. Come down and check out our selection of used bikes, work on your bike with our tools, or get a tune-up by one of our pro mechanics. We have a one- or two-day turnaround on all tune-ups. Check out our website, thebikekitchen.com, for more information about our services and prices. You're listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. We have a couple of very significant birthdays coming up, uh, birthday anniversaries, that is, of two of the most significant and influential saxophonists 
musicians in jazz. They were more than just merely saxophone players. They, they influenced all areas of jazz music. And on August 27th was the birth, yesterday was the uh, birthday anniversary of the great president, the real president, Lester Young, the Prez. And on the 29th, tomorrow, is the birthday anniversary of the one and only Charlie Parker. And we'll be um, featuring the music of both Lester Young and Charlie Parker uh, a bit later on in the show. So uh, if you are ready to uh, stay around and listen, we'll hear some prime Lester Young and prime Charlie Parker. These two uh, musicians were um, really above and beyond their, their individual instruments as well because they, they, they really uh, influenced the whole spectrum of jazz music and their influence is still carried on today. You know, we think of, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, John Coltrane. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, but before even Coltrane became uh, uh, um, the prominent musician that he was, there was Lester Young and there was Charlie Parker. And we have to honor these gentlemen, which we will be doing uh, a bit later on in the show. Not too much later. But right now, we're going to take you to the West Coast, Los Angeles, um, from a date in 1955, by a gentleman that really represented what they referred to back then as West Coast jazz. But, you know, really, all it's very funny because all the musicians that were that were playing West Coast jazz were all, all weren't from the West Coast originally. They were they were from New York or the or or, or the Midwest or or other cities. They weren't from Los Angeles or the West Coast. They all emigrated there. Uh, anyway, Shorty Rogers, of course, was born in New York City. He's the leader here. Wonderful musician, uh, composer, trumpeter, um, was. I guess if there was anybody really associated with quote-unquote West Coast jazz, it would have been Shorty Rogers. And uh, he's here on trumpet leading the band. We're going to hear Jimmy Jufri on clarinet. I love Jimmy Jufri's clarinet playing. Uh, Lou Levy on piano. He's from Chicago. Ralph Pina on bass. Um, and the great Shelley Mann on drums. And this is a piece of music by Shorty Rogers called the Martians stay home.
two very contrasting pieces of music. The first was um, by Shorty Rogers and his Giants. Shorty Rogers on trumpet with uh, Jimmy Jufri on clarinet, Lou Levy on piano, Ralph Pina on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums. And we heard a thing called Martians Stay Home, written by Shorty Rogers. And the uh, next tune featuring the uh, beautiful flute work of Sahib Shahab. Sahib Shahab was um, an American expatriate who uh, also played the, um, was a master alto saxophonist and baritone saxophonist and soprano saxophonist. He also played flute, and we heard him here on flute with uh, Nils Hennig Orsted Pedersen, the great Danish bass player. And uh, that duet was entitled Companionship. And it certainly was. Sahib Shahab and Nils Hennig Orsted Pedersen, better known as uh, NHOP on bass. Something uh, a little different right now. One of the legends of Canadian music and folk music in general is Gordon Lightfoot. And I have a wonderful album called Impressions of Lightfoot. These, this, these are Gordon Lightfoot compositions but they have been arranged by James McRae, the wonderful drummer, and it features uh, Miles Black on the piano and Fender Rhodes, um, and also Rene Wurst, one of the greats on acoustic bass. And of course, um, as Miles and Rene, and his wife, Jennifer Scott, who is uh, one of the most incredible vocalists, um, Renee and Jennifer, of course, often perform together just as a duo. But uh, James McRae, um, who's from Victoria, um, lives on Vancouver Island at least, uh, he brought all of these musicians together and they did this uh, album. It's a, a kind of a, a project of um, Mr. McRae's. And um, the music on here is quite wonderful. So we're going to hear three Gordon Lightfoot songs sung by this um, group of musicians. Once again, Miles Black on piano and Fender Rhodes, uh, Jennifer Scott on vocals, Renee Wurst on bass, and James McRae on drums. And three Gordon Lightfoot tunes arranged by James McRae. Beautiful is the first one, and if you could read my mind is tune number two. And for loving me, is tune number three, all very famous tunes by the great Gordon Lightfoot. So here they are.
you could read my mind, love. What a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old time movie, but it goes from a wishing well in a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet. You know that ghost is me. Just like a paperback novel, the kind the drugstore sells. Then you reach the part where the heartaches come. The hero would be me, but heroes often fail.
what I get for loving you. That's what you get for loving me. Ooh, that's what you get for loving me. We heard three songs from this uh, wonderful album led by drummer James McCrae featuring Miles Black uh, on piano and we heard him on that last tune play uh, some soprano saxophone. Yeah, Miles Black, the multi-talented, plays all kinds of instruments aside from the piano. Um, Jennifer Scott, of course, uh, doing all the vocals in her wonderful, inimitable fashion. And her husband, Renee Wurst, on bass. And, of course, all of these musicians are all from here. And uh, this is a wonderful album called Impressions of Lightfoot. And it's uh, subtitled Fresh Impressions of Gordon Lightfoot's Music. And the arrangements are by James McRae. And... Uh, interestingly enough, it's kind of a very much a jazz-flavored uh, album. And, of course, all these wonderful songs written by Canadian legend Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, we Heard Beautiful was the first tune. If You Could Read My Mind was the second tune. And that's what you get for Loving Me, uh, tune number three. James McRae on drums, Miles Black on piano, and uh, a little bit of soprano saxophone on that. Jennifer Scott on vocals, and Renee Wurst on acoustic bass. Very fine album, Impressions of Lightfoot. You can uh, go on to uh, James McRae's website, and uh, if you're interested in purchasing this album, I'm sure he would be happy to uh, send you a copy. It's Triple W James McCray, uh, J A M E S M C R A E dot C A, and James McCray is all one word. So check it out. Triple W James McCray dot C A. You are listening to the Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course, we're also on the web, and uh, that's www.citr.ca. A couple of important websites to get onto. 
Uh, one of them is of utmost importance, and that's the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Now, they have concerts coming up sponsored by Coastal Jazz, but also um, the schedule for Frankie's Jazz Club uh, down on Beattie Street. There's some incredible music um, happening and will be happening at Frankie's. And um, it's always up on the website. And, of course, that particular website, you can book seats, you can book times, you can book shows. Um, It's very comprehensive. So that and, of course, the individual concerts put on by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and those are the people that bring you the big jazz festival. So that's coastaljazz.ca. The other fine website is put together by my old friend Brian Nation, and that website, of course, is vancouverjazz.com. And not to forget, um, wonderful music every Saturday afternoon, and it's free, no admission, uh, down at Pat's Pub uh, in the uh, old Patricia Hotel in Vancouver's downtown east side. Three to seven every Saturday afternoon, and some very, very fine music um, at Pat's Pub. It's become an institution now, and it's usually just packed out regardless of the weather. It could be pouring rain. It could be sunny. Um, People love to go down there and hear some of the finest musicians around um, that uh, Rod McDonald books at Pat's Pub. So do check it out. There's other venues um, as well in Kitsilano. There's uh, the Blue Martini. They have jazz there quite frequently. And, um, yeah, it's always best to get onto these websites, um, coastaljazz.ca or vancouverjazz.com. You can find out what's going on in and around Vancouver. We're going to pay tribute now to one of the greats, the president, the real president, born in Woodville, Mississippi, August 27th, yesterday, 1909, and he passed away March 15th, 1959, in New York City. He was only 49 years old, but he shaped not only the sound of the tenor saxophone, but really shaped how we perceive jazz music. Lester Young, his influence, of course, uh, Lester came to prominence in the Count Basie band in the mid-30s. And, of course, those those, uh, recordings are eternal classics. And, of course, they're listened to so often just for those eight-bar solos or 16-bar solos that were taken by Lester Young. Uh, They are so beautiful. And, of course, Lester's influence didn't really happen until the next generation of musicians that came up, people like Dexter Gordon, John Coltrane, Sonny Rollins, Stan Getz, um, you name it. Everybody who picked up the saxophone was influenced by Lester Young, including Charlie Parker. Um, Lester Young was really the second messiah of jazz after Louis Armstrong, and uh, we owe him a great debt. Wonderful musician, um, a rather eccentric personality in many ways, but uh, a true individualist and represented the highest values of this great music. We're going to hear some pieces by Lester. 
Some of my favorites. This one is a session that took place in 1943, December 28th, right after Christmas, the Lester Young Quartet. And we're going to hear Lester with Johnny Guineri at the piano, the great Slam Stewart on bass, and Big Sit Catlett on drums. And we're going to hear four tunes from this uh, wonderful recording session. First one is uh, a tune called Just You, Just Me. Second tune is entitled I Never Knew. And then uh, tune number three is a Lester Young composition. It's called Afternoon of a Basieite. And tune number four is a true classic. Everyone plays this introduction to this tune, and it's a tune called Sometimes I'm Happy, written by Vincent Humans. So here then is the president, Lester Young. Thank you. 
We just heard four of, uh, from this uh, same recording session and four of Lester Young's finest recordings from 1943, just uh, a few days after Christmas, December 28, 1943, in New York City. Lester with uh, Johnny Guignieri at the piano, Slam Stewart on bass, and the great Big Sid on drums, Big Sid Catlett. And we heard the president on tenor saxophone doing Just You, Just Me. Um, second tune was uh, an up-tempo version of Gus Kahn's I Never Knew. And then uh, Lester Young's original called Afternoon of the Basieite. And the final tune, Vincent Newman's great, beautiful tune, Sometimes I'm Happy. All classic Lester Young performances and he was in uh, such wonderful form on that uh, particular recording session. We're going to uh, turn to a couple of rare items, three to be exact. Uh, the first one is a um, broadcast recording from, uh, I believe, the uh, Jubilee broadcast from 1946. And these were broadcasts um, uh, directed primarily at um, uh, black uh, American uh, troops, that were uh, uh, stationed in uh, in Hollywood, and this show was kind of uh, directed um, at them for their entertainment. And we're going to hear Lester Young with Nat King Cole on piano, Oscar Moore on guitar, Johnny Miller on bass. That was the Nat King Cole trio, and Buddy Rich added on drums. And we're going to hear two tunes. Um, one of Lester's favorite ballads uh, opens up: "These Foolish Things Remind Me of You." And then uh, Lester's theme song, which is Lester Leaps In. Then we're going to move to another performance with some other people from around the same time um, with Lester and Kenny Kersey on piano. Uh, um, actually, Kenny was a Canadian, um, uh, an African-Canadian, a wonderful pianist. Uh, Billy Hadnot on bass and the great Shadow Wilson on drums. And we're going to hear... Um, a tune that Lester wrote uh, dedicated to his uh, unfortunate time in the U.S. Army. And um, he was put into the, uh, it's a long story, but he was put into the uh, detention barracks, which was known as the DB. And he called his tune the DB Blues. And um, anyway, these are rare performances, and I hope you enjoy them. Oh, hi there, Gates. If you're getting nervous and planning to cut out, don't. Here's a mess of groovy glue. Stick around a while and listen closely. We haven't just an old tenor saxophone man coming up to the Jubilee mic right now. No, sir. We only corral the big blow himself, who's been away too long to suit us. Here he is, gents, Lester Young. <laughs> hey, Lester, it's a real boot to see you've checked out of that khaki suit. Thanks, Ernie. As you see, I've even taken all the GI pain off my heart. Well, let's not just stand around talking, Lester. All of us are planning to hear some of that tenor chanting. Okay, Ernie, with the King Cole Tree and Buddy Rich on drums, we'd like to toy around with these foolish things. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. 
get away with that. You got to do an encore this time now with Buddy Rich on the drums. Lester leaps in. Yank Lester, it's great hearing you and the Hulk together on Jubilee. We'll never forget this visit. Neither will I, Ernie. Well, since you're first up, Lester, what's a good word on the solo section? Well, it's an original of mine, Ernie, and I call it the D.B. Blues. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Those three pieces were from um, a show called Jubilee, and that uh, was specifically made for um, uh, African-American armed forces troops and uh, entertainment. And the host, whose voice you heard introducing things, was the inevitable... (laughs) um, Oh, God, I I forgot his name now. Uh, Anyway... It'll come to me later. Um, Yeah, I can't think of his name. Oh, well, there you go. But we heard Lester Young, first of all, with the Nat King Cole trio, with Nat King Cole on piano. Of course, uh, we all remember him as such a wonderful singer, but he was one of the greatest jazz pianists as well and uh, everybody's favorite huge influence on uh, Oscar Peterson. And uh, Lester... Uh, playing with the uh, Nat King Cole Trio with Oscar Moore on guitar, Johnny Miller on bass, and sitting in on drums, Buddy Rich. And we heard two tunes, um, These Foolish Things Remind Me of You, and Lester's theme song, Lester Leaps In. Ernie Whitman was the guy uh, whose voice we heard. Uh, He was the uh, um, host, 300 Pounds, of uh, <laughs> they used to call him uh, they used to call him Ernie Whitman the stomach that walks like a man. Anyway, he introduced uh, Lester Young. We heard a few words from Lester himself, and then um, from around the same period, we heard Lester with another group of musicians, including Kenny Kersey on piano, um, Billy Hadnot on bass, and the great Shadow Wilson on drums. And we heard Lester's D.B. Blues. D.B. Of course. Um, standing for uh, Detention Barracks Blues, Um, kind of uh, a tribute, if you can call it that, to uh, Lester's unhappy time in the um, U.S. Armed Forces. Mm -hmm. Lester Young with all of those guys, the DB Blues. So that was our tribute to the president, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, and of course uh, the immortal Lester Young. We're going to turn our attention now to, and Lester, of course, as I mentioned before, was uh, was born August twenty seventh, nineteen o nine, in Woodville, Mississippi, and died in New York City. He was forty nine years old, um, March fifteenth, nineteen fifty nine. That was a very sad day when Lester Young passed away. Charlie Parker, whose birthday anniversary it is tomorrow, we're going to hear one of his finest recording sessions, which took place in October of 1947. By that time, Charlie Parker had, uh, after a rather disastrous trip to uh, the West Coast, he had returned to New York City, of course, and uh, formed this wonderful quintet, which was his working band, with a young Miles Davis on trumpet, Duke Jordan on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Max Roach on drums. And we're going to hear the results of this recording session, which took place October 26, 1947. We're going to hear all the tracks from there. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, Charlie Parker was contracted to two, uh, at the time, to two different recording labels. One was Savoy Records, 
uh, and they they like to do things on the cheap. So Charlie Parker wasn't allowed, uh, although he wanted to, he wasn't allowed to play any ballads. He had to play original compositions um, because if he played ballads, standard tunes, um, the company would have to pay royalties to the um, <laughs> publishers, and uh, they didn't want to do that. Dial Records was a little different. He was under contract to Dial, and they allowed him to uh, um, record a couple of standard tunes, and um, these are included in this recording session. As a matter of fact, one of his greatest ballad performances is on here. So we're going to hear three Charlie Parker originals, beginning with Dexterity. The second one was called Bongo Bop, and the second one is dedicated to the hotel that Charlie Parker was living in at the time, the Dewey Square, Dewey Square Hotel. And then we're going to hear one called The Hymn, and then we're going to hear his variations on the great tune, standard tune, All the Things You Are, that he called Bird of Paradise. Then we're going to hear this uh, gorgeous ballad to wrap everything up, uh, Charlie Parker's version of George Gershwin's Embraceable You. Still to this day, one of his finest ballad performances. So we take you back to this recording session with his working quintet, Miles Davis on trumpet, Duke Jordan on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, Max Roach on drums, and of course... Charlie Parker on alto saxophone. Thank you. 
We heard the master takes from this uh, recording session, which took place in New York City, October 26, 1947, featuring Charlie Parker's working quintet with Miles Davis on trumpet, Duke Jordan at the piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Max Roach on drums. And we heard three, actually four, five Charlie Parker original compositions, beginning with Dexterity, moving to Bongo Bop, and then Dewey Square, then the hymn, and then um, Bird's uh, variations on All the Things You Are, which he entitled Bird of Paradise. And the final tune was Charlie Parker's rendition of George Gershwin's Embraceable You. And uh, interestingly enough, as I mentioned before, uh, Charlie Parker was um, recording at that time for two small labels. One was Savoy Records, and he made a lot of great recordings there, but they wouldn't allow him to do standard tunes. He had to do his um, his uh, own originals and uh, because uh, Savoy wouldn't pay the royalties on the, uh, on the standard tunes, the Gershwin tunes or the Porter tunes or the ballads. And uh, Dial Records was the other label that he was recording for, a small label. But they allowed him to uh, do that because they were able to pay the uh, royalties to, uh, for instance, Bird recorded um, Embraceable You. They were able to pay the uh, composer royalties to the Gershwins. So there you go. That's why that. So uh, that was Charlie Parker's working quintet. Now, we all know that Charlie Parker spent... um, moved to the West Coast to uh, play with um, Dizzy Gillespie's band. And uh, um, then he stayed on the West Coast in uh, Los Angeles. It was a rather unhappy time, and eventually he succumbed to his uh, drug addictions and all that kind of stuff and had a nervous breakdown and was um, sent to uh, Camarillo State Hospital for six months to dry out. And when he emerged... He recorded these two tunes with the Errol Garner Trio, and uh, these were his first recordings after he got out of uh, the hospital. And, of course, he was uh, refreshed, um, totally sober, no drugs. He was drug-free on these recordings, and these are the two instrumental recordings they did uh, with the Errol Garner Trio, with Errol Garner on piano, Red Callender on bass, and Doc West, Harold West on drums, And we're going to hear Bird's Nest and the Cool Blues. Charlie Parker with the Errol Garner Trio. Thank you. 
Our small tribute to the great Charlie Parker. We heard uh, a variety of uh, things uh, from one recording session, and we went to this one and two tracks from this particular uh, session, his first um, that he uh, did after his release from Camarillo State Hospital when he was uh, still living in Los Angeles. Charlie Parker with the Errol Garner Trio and um, Errol Garner, of course, on piano, Red Calendar on bass, Harold West on drums, and, of course, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone. Two originals. The first one was entitled Bird's Nest, and the second one was entitled Cool Blues, and our small tribute to uh, this great gentleman who was uh, one of the premier movers and shakers in jazz music. Not only his instrument, which of course was the alto saxophone, but uh, just what he did changed the language of jazz music. And uh, Charlie Parker is still um, a huge influence on today's jazz. And of course, he was born on this day in Kansas City, Missouri, August 29th, 1920. And of course, uh, Passed away in New York City, March the 12th, 1955. Charlie Parker. We're going to uh, conclude uh, tonight's show with some blues and um, some jazz blues, of course, with a great guitarist who um, I think is kind of forgotten these days how wonderful he really was, Barney Kessel. Barney Kessel on guitar with uh, Victor Feldman on vibes, the late wonderful Hampton Hawes on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and Shelly Mann on drums. And uh, hearing those names, you know that it was recorded on the West Coast in Los Angeles. And this is um, a piece by Barney and Company, and it's entitled Let's Cook.
That was guitarist Barney Kessel with a whole bunch of uh, wonderful people. Recorded uh, in Los Angeles in November of 1957. And that album, uh, or that track, was entitled Let's Cook from the album of the same name. We heard uh, Barney, of course, on guitar, Victor Feldman on vibes, Hampton Hawes on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums. Wrapping up another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and on behalf of uh, radio station CITR, located on your dial, 101.9 on your FM dial, or on your computer, www.citr.ca, we'll see you in seven days' time. And uh, hope you enjoyed the music this evening. And we'll be back soon again. Take care and enjoy the sunshine. Bye-bye.